0: Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 230 Two hundred and thirty of these babies in the book now for the Duke Basketball Report podcast. For this episode, though, we're going by the name the Duke Football Report. We're going to be all football all the time because there is actual Duke sports to talk about. The football team played a game just a couple hours ago, a few hours ago. Um, and we're going to give you all the lowdown on that. Other stuff that happened in the ACC regarding football news uh, you're going to get it all on this podcast, but you're not going to get it all f- just from me. I am Jason Evans. I'm your host this week. I am joined, as I always am, by my buddies, Donald Wine and Sam Klein. I will start with Sam. Sam, how you doing? Where are you at these days?
1: I am good. I am in my apartment in Boston where I am still unloading furniture. So let's see. I put together a desk chair today and I unpacked a lot of pieces of a, of a couch Uh, Which was which was difficult, but uh, so now I'm sitting on my new couch. I don't have a coffee table of any kind, so I have the upturned box of the desk chair as my as my coffee table here in the living room because I've got the Laker game on. It's Saturday night for folks who are counting at home. Uh, It's Saturday night, so I've got the Laker game on the TV, and I'm here, and it's a little bit of a makeshift situation, but I'm doing good.
0: Sounds great, Donald Wine, Donald D.C. Donald, how's it going there down in uh, uh, the nation's capital?
2: Uh, It's going great for me. Uh, Sam was doing some work because, you know, when you move into a new place, you have to do stuff like put together furniture. For me, it has been a sports weekend, and I'm just going to list the leagues that I have watched so far in the last 24 hours. EPL, NFL, NCAA football, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, U.S. Open, Aussie Rules Football League, MLS, NWSL, La Liga, and League One, And – that is not counting any, I don't think there was any fights on this weekend, but if there were, I probably would have watched that too. <laughs> oh, and yeah. I did a Zoom wedding. I, I was in a Zoom wedding uh, where my buddy from Duke got married, so that was also part of this day. So literally, I have done everything this weekend.
0: A, a very successful weekend, and it's only Saturday night. Um, but let's let's put that aside, and let's talk about some Duke football Because the Blue Devils went out, they played the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. This is, by the way, a Fighting Irish team ranked in the top 10 in the nation, considered a national title contender. Um, Duke went to Notre Dame to play this game. The Blue Devils are on the losing end of this one, 27 to 13. I don't think that final score was indicative of how close the game was. It was a very, very competitive game until Notre Dame kind of broke it open a little bit at the very, very end. But uh, th- this is a game where, look, it, it was it was 17-13 to 13 into the fourth quarter. Duke was right there. Um, and for a team that had a brand-new quarterback, I thought it was a tremendously encouraging start. I got a lot of stats and other things to talk about, but I, I'm going to go to Donald first. Donald, tell me what you saw from this game. And by the way, before we get to that, I do want to remind everyone, on the preview, I got to take my bow. I got to take my props. On the preview – We were talking about Notre Dame, and I said, hey, watch out for this guy, Kyron Williams. I said, I don't know much about Notre Dame, but this Kyron Williams guy, everyone's talking about him. He might be pretty good. Dude went for more than 200 yards from scrimmage. He was the reason they won the game.
2: Yeah, and honestly, to go back to what we uh, said on the last episode about what we needed to do to win, we needed to eliminate the big play, we needed to establish the run, and we needed to Play with poise. Now, I thought we played with poise, and I will say I, I'm never pleased when we lose, but I will say that I was pretty pleased with the way we play. I thought we played a pretty good football game uh, against a really good football team. Uh, the one place I think we struggled was was on the run, uh, both on offense and defense. On offense, you know, we only a lot, we only, gave, we only rushed for 70 yards total as a team, uh, with Deion Jackson kind of leading the way there, but also. Uh, on defense. Like you said, Kyron Williams just went off on us and he was all over the place. We, We couldn't really stop it. The other thing that I will say that we didn't do well is, you know, we, we wanted to limit the big play and they had a few big plays that kind of were backbreakers in the sense that it gave them momentum. It gave them a first down or it gave them a touchdown that, you know, really led up to the final score. But I will say that, you know, going into Notre Dame is not an easy place to play. I don't care how many fans are in the stands, whether it be the full 80,000 or the whatever, 13,000 or so that were there today. But I do think that those guys did play with poise. They played within themselves and they were with the number 10 team in the land for basically 48 minutes uh, of this game until it kind of, as you said, kind of got away from them at the end. The, the, one thing I will say about our offense, I thought Chase Bryce did a pretty good job at moving the offense down the field in the first half. In the second half it was a little shakier. We couldn't hold on to the football at times, and that was uh, allowing Notre Dame to get a little bit of momentum. And momentum is one thing that you want to always try and have when you're trying to pull off the upset. But I, I, I think overall, you know, the play calling I thought was pretty good you know, on offense and defense. And I think the guys – Really, I, I think there's some good positives that we can take away from this game uh, to go up against Boston College next weekend. But I do think that we were hanging with them. We had a chance, I thought, to win it uh, in the fourth quarter, and it just kind of got away from us. That's going to happen in football games, but I think this is something that they shouldn't hang their heads over. This is something that we can take and and, and work on the things that we need to improve on for next weekend.
0: Yeah, and, and look, the reality is when you are playing a team as good as Notre Dame, when you're trying to upset – a top 10 team on the road, you need to make the the big plays. You need to make those, you know, those those moments in the game. There aren't a lot of them, but there are those moments where you go, ooh, this is this is one of those big plays. And and let's recount some of them. I mean, to me, a lot of it was on short yardage, Duke, Duke struggled. We we failed to convert a fourth and two at the Notre Dame 39 on our opening drive. We had first and goal from the Notre Dame eight. We only got a field goal out of it. We had second and goal from the Notre Dame two, from the two yard line. We only got a field goal out of it. When you're going to upset a top 10 team, you got to make those little plays. And we had Notre Dame at one point, fourth and eight from their own 21. And they attempted a fake punt. I mean, that's a, that is a gutsy. That is a ballsy call. Fourth and eight from your own 21. They were down three, nothing at the time. I believe Um, it was early in the game. And it was clear that Notre Dame felt this Duke team's here to play. We need to, we need to pull out something unusual to defeat these guys cuz we we killed them in the first quarter. We beat them 151 to 20 in terms of yardage in the first quarter. I mean, Duke dominated and and one of the stories of the game was we dominated but we didn't put points on the board and to to beat a top team, that's the kind of thing you got to do. Sam, what were your takeaways from this? Um I, you know, I, what what are the things that you that you really liked that you saw from Duke?
1: I Agree with Donald that the that most of what I saw was encouraging, and, and to go back to some of those plays, Jason. I mean, those those little plays like the the Notre Dame fake punt and Duke's inability to to score when they were deep in the red zone. That, I mean, those those plays right there are the difference in the game. The, the the Notre Dame fake punt eventually led to a touchdown by Notre Dame. Duke misses out on on eight points. And, you know, going the other way in the red zone. And that's the that's the entire final margin. Not to mention, I think that, you know, Duke played, I I thought pretty well through three quarters, and then it just seemed like they got tired, which is discouraging, given that it's early in the season, and you would think that conditioning is there. But look, Notre Dame is is showing up with a different class of athletes. Especially among their starters, than most of the rest of the ACC, save perhaps for Clemson and UNC. Supposed to be good this year. There are a few other teams that that are pretty competitive, but for the most part, Notre Dame is showing up with better athletes than than everyone else is. We talked about how you could think about this game being similar to Duke having to play Alabama in the early game in, in the first game of the season last year. But Duke was able to hang. I liked the way Chase Bryce played. I, I was I was really impressed with him. He was he was managing the game well early. One thing that I don't think we talked about much in lead in the lead up to his debut is that for basically five years prior to this, Coach Cutcliffe has featured a running quarterback between Quentin Harris and Daniel Jones, and Chase Bryce had a rushing touchdown. Today, but but Chase Price is not a running quarterback. He is much more of a traditional pocket quarterback, and and wants to make plays with his arm, not really with his legs. So this is an adjustment for the entire Duke team because we had that safety valve for many years of of having the quarterback able to run. That's not the case this year. You're going to see a more traditional David Cutcliffe offense, and and we saw how much they were able to click early in the game, even though as we said, they didn't lead to touchdowns. But I thought Chase Bryce looked pretty comfortable, and he's going to only continue get, getting more comfortable. He, he didn't have, like, a, a favorite target today. I, I, I don't know how I feel about that being, like, going one and way I, or another I, on I, that.
0: I don't know about that. I, I, I thought he and Noah Gray, know, senior tight end Noah Gray, uh, they, they, uh, I think he was looking for Noah Gray more than anybody else, um, for good and, reason. And, I, Noah Gray's a heck of a player.
1: But, but, I like the fact that, that there were lots of guys involved. I think that's yeah. that's important for this duke team. and And if especially if fatigue is an issue, which we definitely saw in defense late in the game, uh, depth depth is important in that regard. So one of the things I'm looking forward to is Duke plays Boston College this weekend back home at Wallace Wade Stadium in front of no fans, unfortunately, is BC hasn't played a game yet. They didn't play this weekend. So they are playing their first game of the season next weekend. And BC's not bringing the same athletes to the game that Notre Dame is, but Duke has to not get tired. If, if Duke wants to, wants to score a win against Boston college, they need to be playing hard all the way through the end of the fourth quarter, because let's face it. If, if this Duke Notre Dame game had only been 45 minutes and, and the teams were kind of game playing around that Duke could have easily won this game and, and had a, a huge upset. So I, I think that last, that last quarter of football really doomed the blue devils and, and a couple different bounces, and this, in this, we could have been talking about a huge Duke victory today.
0: Yeah, and I want to, I want to get to the defense just for a moment. I was tremendously impressed with our defensive line. Uh, Notre Dame returned all five starters on their offensive line, and when I was looking forward to this game, I was terrified that they were going to run all over us that Ian Book was going to be able to sit in the pocket and not have to worry about any defensive pressure or anything like that. And that was absolutely not the case. And, and I think the Duke defensive line may have been, I don't know if they were the best unit that we had of all the different units today, but they were darn close to it. They, they got three sacks, which is a pretty decent number again, against a really good Notre Dame team and a really good quarterback and Ian Book. Um, uh, yeah. You know, the, the, the rushing, um, and Notre Dame was able to rush pretty successfully against us, but but that came in pockets. There were lots of times they were rushing the ball and they were not getting very far. So I thought on the line, we played very, very effectively. Uh, Donald, uh, let's wrap up. Chase Bryce is the guy everyone was here to see. So tell me a little bit more about what you got on Chase Bryce, and, and, and then we'll turn to other football matters.
2: Yeah, but real quick, you were mentioned the defense. I just want to give a quick shout out to Mark Gilbert, who... Has missed a lot of the last two to three years with uh, a lot of hip injuries. Uh, came back and led the team in tackles today, was all over the place on defense. Uh, so I wanted to give him a, a, a quick shout out because I thought he played really well in this first game back in a long time. It was great to see number 28 back on the field. Uh, but back to Chase Bryce, I think the one thing that uh, I, I'm going to look to see what they can improve on next week, at least for him. I thought, he, like Sam said, I thought he did a great job at commanding the offense, moving the ball down the field, trying to make plays with his arm. Uh, th- they mentioned before during the game that they didn't have uh, any scrimmages where they were able to play other teams. Sometimes they get an opportunity to do so in the preseason. That obviously didn't happen this year, and this was their first game. So there's a lot of things that are are very close to being Together, But you can see that they're just not fully sharp yet. And a lot of it uh, that I saw was downfield. He's this close, like, you know, this close to getting some of those balls downfield that would have been some big plays and they're just missing. I think the timing that they that he has with these receivers, he's spreading the ball to a lot of guys. And I think the timing is going to get better as we move on during the season. And I can see as he was coming off the field after some of those, he would go right to that receiver and go, OK, that's on me. I should have gotten to you here. And you could tell that they're, you know, very, very close to getting it all put together. So we'll see uh, against Boston College if it's something that they can approve on, because if a couple of those plays that are going 20 yards land in the hands of the receivers, I think this ball game's a lot different.
0: Yeah, coulda, woulda, shoulda. We, we came very close, and uh, we're going to be back on the field, though, um, God willing, assuming things go well with this crazy pandemic. Duke will be back on the field next week against Boston College. We're going to have a preview of that and also talk about some other football news that came out about what could force the ACC to stop playing football. We'll have all that for you right after this quick break. So let's look at who's next up for the Blue Devils. We'll be facing the Boston College Eagles. We don't have a lot to say about BC because they didn't play yet. No game for them this week. They are going to start their schedule against Duke. Gives us probably a little bit of an advantage because uh, we've already played a game. We we know what it's like to get out there and battle against someone else. And Boston College is doing it for the first time here uh, next week. Um, so let, let's, let's preview that game and let's start. Sam, give me, you know, Tell me a little bit about what you are expecting to see, hoping to see from Duke. What should we expect to see from Boston College?
1: I mentioned the the big thing I'm looking for is Duke not getting fatigued in this game. So whether that's running more guys out onto the field, whether that's, uh, you know, playing better and, and, and just preventing the big play with, you know, which which they did a good job, not a great job of, against Notre Dame. I think fatigue, especially for the defense, is going to be a major factor for Duke. And then the continued development of Chase Bryce, seeing the way that he moves the ball around, as Donald said, him being able to execute a big play will will really help this Duke team. Duke had to, you know, manufacture a lot of yards. They had to spend a lot of time. The offense had to spend a lot of time on the field to not end up with that many touchdowns on the day here. So I want to see chase Bryce make, make some big plays. I want to see the defense uh, stay in front of Boston college's players. Again, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that I know a ton about, about BC's uh, football offense, but I'm hoping that, that they are not exactly the, the guys that, that Notre Dame is bringing. Uh, And then also seeing Wallace Wade stadium, unlike it's normally half empty look, it's going to be fully empty. So uh, today at at Notre Dame, obviously the crowd was sparse because of p- pandemic-related limitations. I think they said they only had basically students, family of the players, and and Notre Dame faculty and staff were, were the only ones in attendance. There, you couldn't just buy a ticket to this game. You had to had to be affiliated with the program in one way or another. So they only had those people. But the crowd was there. It was loud. It was it was engaged. The, the students looked like they were having a good time. So. What will it be like for Duke to play in an empty stadium next week against an opponent that is not as good as Notre Dame, but is still coming? Uh, you know, they we Jason, you were saying that they haven't played yet, so maybe they're not sharp, but they will be more rested than Duke is. So we're we're looking forward to that, and then I know we'll get, I think, a little bit more towards future schedule news because it relates to to Virginia Tech and the rest of the ACC. But I think it's going to be interesting how Duke manages this game. Uh, and I was talking about the fatigue, how they manage this game relative to the rest of the schedule coming down the pipe with, with changes to the schedule uh, coming out today from the ACC.
0: Yeah. So I got a little bit, I can tell you about BC and perhaps the most significant thing to happen with them. uh, They got a transfer uh, from Notre Dame quarterback, Phil Jerkovic. And here's the thing about Phil. He was the, he was a huge high school recruit. This guy was supposed to be supposedly he was like the best quarterback recruit to come to Notre Dame in like decades, but he never sort of he never cracked the lineup there. Ian Book, you know, has been Notre Dame's starter for several years now, and, and Jerkovic could never, you know, get very much playing time at all at Notre. Dame. I think he only threw for 18 passes in his career at Notre Dame, but he transferred. He was he's been granted immediate eligibility, and so he's going to be BC's starting quarterback uh, and. I think we're looking at a game that could be uh, a game, you know, where there are a lot of points scored because BC is a very good offensive team. Um, They have a really good offensive line. One of the better offensive lines in the ACC, Um, but they are terrible. Let me tell you, they are really bad on defense. Um, Last year they allowed more than 32 points per game to their opponents, 101st out of 130 teams in the country. So they were like the bottom, you know, what, 15, 20% in terms of defensive scoring allowed last year. And their secondary is god-awful. And they've got most of the guys back from that god-awful secondary. So they're still going to be god-awful probably. So look for a – Chase Bryce is going to have to have a big week, I think, for Duke to win this game. BC, by the way, was – Duke was picked 12th in the – remember, it's all 15 teams. Everybody's in uh, – everybody, everybody's in one big division. Duke was picked 12th in the preseason. BC was picked 13th. So this is a game – this is one of those games we got to win – um, against an opponent that we should be able to put points on the board against. Donald Donald, what you got. Um talk a little bit about the running game for me because that that's an important part of what we need to accomplish.
2: Absolutely. And and like you said, if you want to get Chase Bryce involved, you want to have a running game that is going to establish themselves and a line that's going to establish themselves so that Chase Bryce has room to throw. And I mean, today there was times where Chase Bryce had a little bit of pressure because the running game had not been established. Again, we had a cumulative total of 70 yards uh, rushing today. That's got to change. If we can get into the 125, 130, even 150 range, that's just going to open up more opportunities for Chase Chase Price to throw the football or even just have that threat of, oh, I can hand it off to Deion Jackson or toss it to somebody in the flat and have them go this is something that they can get done against Boston College. And so I hope that they will look to establish that early on in this game because if they can establish the run and get at least some ground yardage where the 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 defensive line for Boston College gets tired, that's only going to allow that, that very terrible, awful secondary that you mentioned to have more pressure on them because we're going to be throwing the ball downfield.
0: Yeah, and let's, let's move to, um, you know, you guys have alluded to it a little bit, but let's move to the notion of how many games are we going to get in? How many games are going to be played? Because there was a really interesting uh, document that was released by Virginia Tech today. We should note that Virginia Tech was supposed to play Virginia. Um, and, and just hours before that game was going to start, Virginia Tech was forced to cancel the game, um, presumably because of uh, too much coronavirus, too much COVID on the Virginia Tech team. And this document released by Virginia Tech um, is a document that the entire ACC has signed off on, and it says that there must be at least eight ACC teams playing football. Eight out of the 15 need to be playing football for the season to continue. If you drop below eight teams playing football, then they're allowed to, to, the ACC is allowed to say, okay, we're done. We cannot continue to play. There's just clearly not enough teams for us to continue to play. It's not safe for us to continue to play. The other thing that, that that came out in this document was that if either the SEC or the Big 12 stops playing football, the ACC, again, has the option at that point to stop playing football. But so essentially, this document lays out the conditions under which the ACC could go, OK, we're done. We're not going to have we're not going to do this anymore. Um, uh, Sam, I, I want to go to you first. Uh, you know, what? what does all this say to you? What does it mean that, that Virginia Tech, uh, you know, we're canceling games. We haven't even played a game and we're already canceling games. I, is it going to work? Do you think we're going to make it through more than maybe one or two more games?
1: I feel like they'll still get through a handful of games. I am I doubt that the season is going to finish the way that the ACC has it planned because of this Virginia Tech news the ACC today had to rejigger the schedule. So Virginia Tech's next couple of games are canceled or or at least they're they're postponed until later in the year, including a game against Virginia. So what does that mean for Duke most directly is that the Duke-Virginia game that was supposed to be in mid-November was moved up to late September. Duke's original schedule was going to have Notre Dame and then Boston College and then their first bye game. The way that the ACC had initially planned the season is that the teams were going to get a couple of bye games throughout the shortened season to accommodate for potential schedule changes, and they're already having to activate it here, and it's affecting Duke. So Duke was going to get two games to start the season, and then a break, and then a few more games. Now Duke is getting six games at the beginning of the season, which puts the players in a totally different mindset, because if you talk to any football coach... They are dividing up the season according to when the bye games are. So you guys know that like when we talk about in basketball, the way that the team plays, uh, plays a basketball game, like Coach K divides the basketball game into those chunks of four minutes between the media timeouts. Think of the football season the same way. That the coaches are looking at the football season in the areas or are, you know, between the bye games. And and in college, even during a normal season, the teams usually get two bye games. Sometimes they only get one, but often they get two. And with the ACC making this big change today, all of a sudden Duke was going into the Notre Dame game thinking we have the we, we just need to have the energy to play two weeks in a row and then we get a week off. Now it's we're playing six nights in, or six weeks in a row and it totally changes the mindset. I actually saw a quote from Coach Cutcliffe after the game that said that they found out this news right before they took the field and the players were feeling a little distracted and a little concerned about it because they hadn't prepped this week. For six weeks in a row of football, so it's affecting Duke. But but what can the players do? I mean, in 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 this totally crazy time and, and during this crazy season, these are the changes that that the conference and and the schools are going to have to make to have the thing keep going. So I, I feel like it signals to me that we're not going to get a completion to this football season if we're already scrambling to move the schedule around but maybe this is it maybe this is the the wake up call that, that that the schools and the and the programs need and they tighten up the the testing they make it much more frequent they keep all the student athletes isolated and hopefully we can get to the end of the season i think that note about the SEC and the Big 12 is interesting because now the ACC is really relying on lots of other schools to to maintain their end of the bargain. And it's not like the ACC and the SEC are playing each other, at least not. I don't, there there might be non-conference games, but I don't believe any of them are are playing this year. So it's, it's dependent on a lot of other conferences holding down, uh, holding down the testing and, and, and their student athletes. So um, that, that part's interesting to me, but yeah, I I, I guess we'll see. It does stink for Duke that the, that the schedule
2: had to get rearranged this way. And at the same time, you know, you mentioned, they're moving the Virginia Virginia game up to the bye week that we would have had on what is it September twenty sixth, you know, give or take a day. But then you also have Virginia Tech's first game that they're going to play is that following week against us in Durham. So not only that we are we are going to be playing a team that was affected by uh, this this uh, this postponement, and then also we're going to play the team that caused the postponement and caused this rearrange of the schedule. So I think when it comes to All of this, it's. I'm gonna break it down simply. It's a mess. It's a complete utter mess because, like you said, you're moving games from November to September. You're moving bye weeks around. You have games who are you know teams who are just gonna be you know we they scheduled two bye weeks for a reason. They they knew that teams were affected by the preseason because of the fact that they couldn't really practice with each other uh, in the ways that they normally would during a preseason. And now they're telling the same teams hey, you got to play six straight weeks. Uh, and that's something that you can't really do during a normal season. But during this COVID season, that is really, really bad. So when I think there's that, and then there's also the fact that you, you, you're you talking about the Big 12 and the SEC. If they were to postpone, they could throw things into this array. The Big 10 is going to be voting on Sunday whether to resume their season in October. It's just a big mess. I don't think anyone is talking to each other. We've We've said this many, many times and i think at least the acc has a plan but the the plan being out you know the plan of having factors that are coming from outside the conference and coming from all these other areas and all these other what ifs i think makes it a situation that's so fluid that it really affects how these guys prepare
0: well i, I want to be clear and i think everyone should understand these conditions you know eight eight, eight teams being able to play the, the SEC and the big 12 continuing to play. These are not ways that the, that the ACC would automatically shut down. These are just conditions where they could consider it. I think they had to sort of put in place something where they said, look, everybody, we will keep on playing unless certain things happen. And then if those things happen, we'll think about whether we need to shut it down. Uh, Frankly, if, if, The ACC is getting games played and there are not coronavirus outbreaks happening on teams. And it's worth noting that Duke has done an incredible job of this. Notre Dame has done a very, very good job of this. I I am very confident based on the testing numbers we've seen that the game today between Duke and Notre Dame was a was a, a pretty safe circumstance and that there's no reason for that game not to happen. I'm not going to talk about the fans in the stands. That's a whole different matter. I, I have no judgment on any of that. I can't make a judgment on that. There's not enough testing to know. But these two teams that kept, took the field today, that was a safe situation. My My point in all this is I think there are ways to do it that are safe, and they just want to sort of know here's how we might shut down if we have to. And and that's that's the fair thing. That's the wise thing to do. If we get to only eight teams playing, we're shutting down. <laughs> because there, there's, there's not enough teams to play each other at that point. And at that point, it's clear that there's such an outbreak that you can't control it. Am I right, Donald?
2: Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, if it's written on paper that eight teams is the threshold that they start talking about it, I'm thinking at that point is more than talk, right? Like you'll have half the teams not playing – yeah. you have the other half yeah. worrying about the teams that they are playing. The national championship will be in disarray because conferences are deciding to get back in the game or get back out of the game. And really, you know, we we said this before. It's it's too many people that have to be perfect for this to go the way it is as as scheduled. And already we're you know, we're not even done with week 1 in the Power 5. And we have one team that's so not perfect that two teams are being affected by it. Well, actually, three teams because Duke is one of those teams, and then the two teams that they were supposed to play that aren't that are not going to get played. So, really, at this point, let's just go one and zero every day. That just let's just borrow the Washington Nationals' mantra from last year just go one and zero every day. If we can get through tomorrow and nothing happens, it will be a good day, and then we'll focus on Monday.
1: If six ACC teams are changing their schedules and shutting down because of outbreaks. Yeah. I, th- I think the season is toast. I, I, I don't think they have to get to eight teams for, for this to happen because six means basically every game that week is getting rescheduled.
2: So at, si- at six teams, honestly at six teams, there'll be other teams that aren't a part of that six. There's going to be like, no, we're done. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, not going like, to wait for you. I will just pull like, ourselves. Exactly.
1: Down. Exactly. We, we don't know where this thing is headed next. If if it's that bad. So yeah, we, we'll see. Yeah. Uh,
0: Oh, Donald! I think your advice is perfect. Let's let's try and get through tomorrow, and then the day after that, and the day after that, and we'll worry about that when we get there. Um, but for now, that's going to be that's a great way for us to wrap it up here on the Duke Basketball Report podcast, the Duke Football Report podcast, I should say. This was episode two hundred and thirty. Donald and Sam, thanks for joining me. I am Jason. There will be more Duke football coming at you, and there's going to be a lot more basketball coming at you, coming up very very soon. But until then, Duke Band. Take us home.